Well, good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church Online. My name is Chris Corbin and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here at the church. We are so thankful that you have taken this time, the next 40 minutes or so out of your day to join with us. If you've been encouraged or have you, if you've been inspired, we want to invite you to share these messages with your own circle of influence, your friends, your family, it's our desire to share the message of the love of Jesus with as many people as possible and that people would grow in a deepening relationship with God. We also want to say thank you for your faithful generosity and giving. And if you're wanting to partner with the work of Ritz and Rotolines Church, we invite you to contact Maria at our church office. Lastly, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by our service this morning. As always, we invite you to sing, to engage in the chat options, and to work through the reflection questions at the end of the service. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. And it's really a fairly simple question. The question is, are you loved? That's it. Are you loved? And then there's obviously follow-up questions that go with that, but... If you are loved, which I hope you know that you are, how do you know? Maybe someone has told you that they love you. Perhaps they have demonstrated it to you in their words or through their actions. And then also, how did knowing that you were loved by that person shape your relationship or the ways that you interacted with them? Over the past two months, we've been working through a series called Who Are You? And we've been exploring some of our identity traits as followers of Jesus, those who have put our faith and trust in him. And we've come to the understanding that the reality is what we believe about ourselves will ultimately impact the way in which we live, respond to the world around us, how we respond to God and to, to the world. And so at the beginning of this service, we sang the song, Good Grace. And the chorus of the song says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high. Don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. Take courage. Hold on. Be strong. Remember where our help comes from. As we were singing that song, there were a few lines in particular that really stood out to me. And they're the lines, fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. The, what we understand is that believing that God loves you should have an incredible impact on how you live your life. It should have an impact on how we interact with God and how we interact with everyone around us. So let's just take a moment. Let's begin our service in a word of prayer. So, Father, we come to you, and we acknowledge that you love us. This is the basis of our relationship with you, that you have extended love to us. We ask you to speak to us this morning through this message, through your word, that you would reveal to us your, the truth of your love and how we can walk into that and how it will impact and shape our lives as your followers. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin by kind of looking at this, the understanding of how do we come to the belief, to the understanding 
that we are loved, that God loves us. As you read throughout the scriptures, you're going to find, or you might pick up on the fact that one of Jesus' disciples, John, was so completely convinced of God's love for him that he actually calls himself the beloved disciple or the one whom Jesus loved. Can you, can you imagine having that, the nerve or having the confidence to say, I am the one that Jesus loves? And so at first glance, this seems a little bit prideful. It seems somewhat self-absorbed. But the reality is, is that John had developed such a profound understanding of who God was. John recognized the holiness, the majesty, the power, and the authority of God. And as John began to understand and truly know who God was, he actually came to the wonderful truth of who he was, and particularly in light of Jesus. In speaking of this assurance that John had of God's love for him, Charles Spurgeon once wrote, So far from there being any pride in it, it just shows the simplicity of his spirit, the openness and the transparency of his character, and his complete self-forgetfulness. You see, John had completely put aside all thoughts of who he was, and his identity was completely wrapped up and absorbed in who God was. And so it is out of this deep understanding of the character and nature of God that John is able to write extensively about the truth that we, the followers of Jesus, are deeply, deeply loved. In one of John's letters, this is what we read, he writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. John is emphatic about this truth, that this is our identity. That is who we are. We are loved. And this is not just like a small kind of love. God's love was lavished on us. And the word lavish means elaborate, luxurious, and marked by excess. God doesn't just love us a little bit. He loves us in excess. John also goes on to tell us in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is one of the most famous promises of God. And it is so clearly articulated. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, just for you. All throughout the Bible, we see God's demonstration of love and mercy tenderness and compassion towards us and so much so that many people refer to the bible as god's love letter to us and through the bible we learn that god's love for us is actually rooted in god's grace in his letter to the ephesian church paul demonstrates to us that god's love is not because of who we are or what we do god's love is, or God loves us because of who he is and what he has done. Paul tells us 
because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God loves us. And he loves us because that is who he is. God is, in fact, love. That kind of leads us to the next question. Is, so how does the truth that we are loved, and then specifically that we are loved by God, change the way we live? Well, if we believe that we are loved by God, among all of the other things, we will no longer live, act, or pray in fear or even disbelief or unbelief. When we believe that we are loved by God, we trust that we can boldly come into the throne room of God. We know that God longs to spend time with us, to hear our requests. We no longer worry that we are a bother or a nuisance to God. We no longer believe that God is more concerned with the requests and the lives of others than he is with us. One of the other ways that we act differently when we know that God loves us and when we believe that we are truly loved by God is we step out boldly and in faith to the things that God has called us to. Because we know without a doubt that the God who loves us also goes with us. This is how Joshua was able to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. This is how the Apostle John was able to suffer torture and exile for his faith and his trust in Jesus. You see, knowing that Jesus loves you removes fear and doubt. And we are able to hold on tightly to the promise when God says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Another way that it changes the way we live is that when we believe that we are loved by God, we extend the same love and compassion and mercy to others. Knowing God's love towards us should radically change the way we treat one another. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. When we come to the belief, when we, we become so absorbed in the truth that we are loved by God, we cannot look at anyone else and not see someone who is deeply loved and valued by God. Unfortunately, it is, it's possible for us to know these truths, for us to know the truth of God's love and not live it. And there's often times where we don't actually live like we are loved. And there's a few reasons for that. Some of the most common reasons that we don't live as though we are loved include our family of origin. It's our, our background, our history. Maybe you grew up in a house where you never actually heard the words, I love you. If that's the case, it's going to be really hard for you to understand the love God has for you when you have never been told that you were loved, or you've never experienced it in a tangible way. One of the other ways that we see this stopping us from actually living as though we are loved is we have identity wounds. And identity wounds are like holes in our souls. And I'm not talking about the holes in our socks and shoes. See, when you have an identity wound, you can have an encounter with God's love 
but that love leaks out. People can say all kinds of loving things to you, but nothing seems to stick. And so the love is poured into us, but then it just leaks out through these wounds. If you have ever experienced abuse, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, or, or sexual, it is likely that you have identity wounds that you need to deal with. In my own life, I have deeply struggled with the truth that I am loved. I have wrestled with the lies that my value or that my ability or my, my, my des deservedness to be loved was determined by whether or not people liked me. I also wrestled with the lie that I somehow had to be in control of what people thought of me. That if I was able to manage people's expectations, if I could control what they thought of me, I could also control their love for me as well. About five years ago, I actually had to acknowledge some of these woundings in my own life. As I began to allow God to bring healing, I had to acknowledge the hurts that I had held on to and that had created these holes in my soul. I had to repent of agreeing with the lies. And as I began to do these things, I slowly moved to greater levels of assurance and faith that God truly loved me. This is one of the reasons that I have the word beloved tattooed on my arm. It's a constant reminder of the truth that I am in fact loved by God. And the more that I truly believe that God loved me, the more I walked boldly in my faith with God, and even the greater depths of trust and intimacy I had with my wife Amanda. But I want to encourage you that this is a process. As God brings healing to some of those wounds and, and to those family of origin stories, he may reveal to you other wounds that you have carried and he longs to heal. More recently, I was once again struggling with believing that I was worthy of love. I found myself being dismissive of things that Amanda would say, and I began to recognize that I was wanting to manipulate and control what people thought of me. I was really having a hard time believing, once again, that I was loved. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to me the source of these wounds. And I was reminded of junior high. And I was reminded that it was during those years that I was bullied. Where I grew up, junior high takes place between grades 7 and 9. And so for every single day of those three years, I was bullied, mocked, made fun of, and ridiculed. And sometimes even by the people who claimed to be my friends. As a result of that bullying, I developed a toxic shame. I developed this sense that I was unlovable. It didn't matter that I had parents and family members who deeply loved me and would tell me that regularly. Without even realizing it, I had allowed the wounds from that bullying, wounds from my past, to puncture holes into my soul. And instead of dealing with those wounds and hurts, I pushed them down deep inside. I, I pretended that they weren't there, and then I forgot that they were there. But the wounds that they created remained. And so those are identity wounds. That's what I'm talking about. And so in order to experience healing and freedom from those wounds, I had to extend forgiveness to those who had bullied me. 
I had to repent of believing the lies that I was unlovable. And I had to get my eyes off of myself and back onto Jesus. I think this is perhaps one of the reasons why I love David and the Psalms so much. David would constantly wrestle with his thoughts and his emotions, but eventually he would turn his eyes off of his circumstances, off of his woundings, and he would lift them instead to the God who loved him. So while I recognize that this is still a battle that I am conquering, I can without a doubt agree with the Apostle Paul when he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or worded another way, if Jesus died for us, then what can diminish our worth? No rejection, not enemies, not hatred, not criticism, not abandonment, not abuse, not a spouse who leaves you or no longer loves you, not bad performance, not failures, not bad grades, not circumstances out of your control or people beyond your reach. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. I want to ask you this question. Do you have wounds in your life that need to be addressed? that are causing you to live as though you are unworthy of God's love, or to live as though you need to somehow earn that love? I recognize that this is a hard question, and I know that my instinct would be to brush it off, but I want to invite you to sit with this question, as painful as it may be to think of your past woundings. God longs to bring healing and wholeness, to those wounds. So that finally, that leaves us with this question. How do we move from simply knowing that we are loved to truly believing and living as those who are loved? The first way we can do that is we need to spend time in God's word. We cannot internalize what we don't know, what we haven't studied. And as I mentioned before, the Bible is referred to as God's love letter because it is full of the truth of God's love towards each one of us. Secondly, we need to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to sit in silence and allow God to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals the love of the Father to us. Paul tells us God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We need to soak it up. It's not as though we are attempting to conjure up anything. We are merely allowing space and the opportunity for Holy Spirit to speak while we are actually listening. Oftentimes we just spend so much time in prayer talking to God that we never pause long enough to let God speak to us. And the more we pause and allow God the opportunity to speak, the more readily we can hear him. And the more that we hear God, the more we come to truly believe that we are loved. It's just like the song says, fix your eyes on this truth. God is madly in love with you. Let me conclude by saying this. 
in his letter to the Ephesian church, Paul wrote this beautiful prayer. And I want to read it to you. He says, I pray that out of his, God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The love of God is a sure foundation under your feet, but you have to stand on it. As Rob Reamer says, we need to personalize the truth that God loves us until it breaks through the pavement of our brains, sinks deeply into the soil of our souls, takes root, and bears fruit. Do you know that you are loved? That God loves you? He does. And I pray you know it deep in your soul. Let's pray. So, Father, I come to you and I acknowledge my need for you. We acknowledge that you are holy and compassionate, kind, and you are the embodiment and the fullness of love. I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus for us, that we could actually even know the love that you have lavished upon us in excess. I pray, Lord, that we would begin to stand on that firm foundation that our identities would be built on this understanding that you deeply love us. And may it be reflected in our lives and how we approach you, our loving Father, and the world around us. I pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.